So I want to give you a cheap trick. So I'm on your page 18. So when you do sequences, first notice, second notice, third notice, if you want to write a good second notice sales letter in a hurry, and you want a cheap trick, this is it. You basically junk up the first one. So if the first one worked, you may not need to rewrite any of it. You could just junk it up, if it wasn't junked up to start with. So that's handwritten margin notes, that's circling stuff, that's doing yellow highlighter, etc. Now, I will tell you, so there's graphic programs for this. How many of you have copy doodles? Okay, those of you who don't, you should Google it. You should, it's cheap, you should get it. However, you just dropped something which may or may not be of value. Okay, well that's a value. Um, um, I will tell you that nothing beats doing it by hand. So I'm still doing mine by hand and creating the original and getting the, origi the new original made in color, if it's color. So I'm junking it up by hand. I'm handwriting or I'm getting someone else to handwrite. I'm taking a yellow marker and marking shit. No computer thing matches it. But it gets close. But that's the first cheap trick. The second cheap trick is just write a new open and a new close. Leave the middle the same. So consider your first half page or your first page and your last half page or your last page and your PS's and you can get away with leaving the middle pretty much the same if not entirely the same. And remember by the way your real response impact is in the beginning and the end. Primacy and recency. People remember the first things they hear, the last things they hear. They don't remember much in the middle. It has to move them along, but that's pretty much what sticks, right? If you show somebody a random bunch of cards and then take them away and ask them to name the ten cards that they saw, they can generally name the first couple, the last couple. They can't name anything in the middle. Right? So it's primacy recency. It matters a new open and change the order of the rest of the copy. So if my copy had the seven kinds of people who shouldn't buy this on page 14 and the story about the two people on page 12, I might move the seven reasons, the seven people who should stop reading right now early and I might move my story late. Now, I do this personally with copy by shuffle, 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 shuffle. So my copy is always cut up into pieces. So if I was going to do this, I would take the sales letter the way it was, and every hunk of content, I would cut it, and then I would put it in random order, and then I would start putting it in a new order until I had it in an order that I liked. If there's a bridge needed, fine, I'll go write the bridge. You can rewrite the letter in a different voice. So if it was from you, it can be from your spouse. And it probably will just need a different opening and a different ending and tweaks to the copy. In Proctor's business, we have a letter from his wife. In Tom Orent's business, we have a letter from the wife, which are, they go to the male prospects and they're challenged to manhood letters. They're like deep in the sequence and they're basically, what's the matter with you, don't you have any balls, letters. Um, and they're more effective when they come from the woman than they are when they come from the guy. Um, you can, it could be your executive vice president it could be in the voice of a testimonial. It's just launched the non-closed prospects. The letter always came from the president of It's Just Launch. 
and it threw salesperson number one under the bus and set him up with a phone appointment with salesperson number two who had a better title. So that letter is like, hey, I know you had your consultation with Stephanie, and Stephanie's great most of the time with most of the people. But she does have her off days, and she does rub some people the wrong way, and we want to leave no child left behind. And so just to be sure, I've set you up with a complimentary consultation with our most senior, experienced, uh, uh, find-a-mate coach that there is, and you'll be talking to Diane before we give up, to you, up on you at Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning. Of course, Diane is just another sales rep. And the ones Diane don't close, they get set up with Stephanie. And you just keep throwing one under the bus. Uh, miracle error, the last appointment no-sale letter comes from the owner of the franchise. It's the same kind of letter. I know you met with Russell, and Russell's a great diagnostician, but sometimes he doesn't do the best job of patiently answering every question that you might have. And you know, your tests clearly indicate you're so deaf, you're a danger to yourself and everybody around you. And we are, we are not gonna give up on you no matter what. So I've arranged a call for you with our most senior, it's the same letter. And by the way, it's the same nonsense. They're just talking to the rep one counter over, but they think he's a senior. So you can change the voice. Now, Jill Wolferth and I had a conversation on the break. Now you go back to what things look like. Right? So if a letter comes to you from me and a third step letter comes to you from Sydney, not only should they sound different, they should look different. Because we look different. And we sound different. So you would change maybe the type font. You might go to personal sized paper from Sydney and eight and a half by 11 sized paper from me. You're gonna make these things be as if I arrived at the door and stepped out of the envelope, or has Sydney arrived at the door and stepped out of the envelope? So see, the principle governs the strategy which governs the tactics, right? Record the letter and send an audio, because some of it is just because they won't read or didn't read. So read it to them. By the way, I just saw, I find it funny, but we were talking yesterday about sleep is the new, you know, it's the new thing to sell. The number one app in the App Store in 2018, anybody know what it is? Okay, it's called Calm. It, it's for adults. It reads you a bedtime story. So you can go to sleep. As Jack Parr used to say, I kid you not. Is Audible on it? Hmm? Is Audible on it? I, I don't know. I don't know. So record the letter. And you can record it literally as a read. You can chop it up and make an interview out of it. And again, it could be in a different voice. Cut and paste the letter as an interview. Record this in the audio. Okay, so those are your cheap tricks for the steps behind the first step. If you leap, please, to your page 21. In 1979, a really good information marketer from down under uh, said, we've become a headline society. If he was right then, he's 10,000 times more right now. We live by clickbait. That's where we live, right? It's maybe the destruction of journalism as we knew it, because the journalists are all under enormous pressure to produce clickbait content. They're not measured now. I guess you still get a Pulitzer Prize for 
the actual reporting, but you don't keep, you don't keep your job for it. Right? So print journalists and online journalists are now in the same position as TV. Right? It's all about ratings. It's all about traffic. It's all about body count. So we're in a clickbait society. So what they've discovered is what we already knew in advertising and marketing, is nothing matters if you don't get attention. You don't get a chance to do anything else if you don't get attention. I consistently, over the years, have had bad copywriters show me bad headlines. And their argument is, well, it makes perfect sense if you read the copy. I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation. Well, so what? Because they're not going to read the copy from this. All advertising and marketing, but particularly the sales letter, is about winning a shit ton of little battles all the way to the end. It ain't a big thing. It's about winning little battles. Now again, salespeople in the physical world are really sensitive to this. So if you see a good demo guy at the state fair selling ShamWow or the magic blender or the mop thing for your car, see, he knows, first of all, he has to gather a crowd, right? Then he is vulnerable millisecond by millisecond, minute by minute to you walking away. So. He's literally winning the war, one burst of speaking at a time. All media really replicates that. It's just copywriters and scriptwriters and stuff don't give enough thought to it. Richard said, every good chapter ends with a cliffhanger. Every good page ends in a way that you can't not go to the next page. So cosmetically, the worst thing you can do is end a page in a, the end of a sentence. Unless that sentence itself makes it irresistible to move to the next page. You see a lot of sales letters will have a little handwritten next page we got to get them to the next page. So we start with the headlines and the subheads. Subheads are headlines for the next two paragraphs of copy. That's what they are. And so this is what the door-to-door -door sales guy says when you open the door this far in order to get you to open the door the rest of the way. And then it's what he says to get you to invite him in. And then it's what he says to get you not to throw them out. Right? This is what the person on stage says to get your attention focused and keep you from walking out when he comes to the stage. And then what he says to get you to pay attention. And then what he says to get you to pay attention to the next five minutes so he can make that point. This is critical to your sales letter. To a great degree, if you can write really good headlines and really good subheads, you pretty much can win with the rest of the copy being pretty mediocre. So here are all the purposes of, um, I'm on your page 22, of headlines and subheads, right? So the headline is to target the person you want to pay attention. headlines that directly do this, the technical term for them is called flagging. So the very first part of the headline is flagging the person. Right? Left-handed golfer, colon, boom. That's a flagged headline. Okay? You don't have to necessarily do that to do this. But one of the purposes of a headline is so that the person who sees it recognizes that what's about to come is for them. Recently bankrupt, abused, and discouraged. Guy goes, that's me, what's next? Right? 
if you put the what's next first, you might not hold him long enough for him to realize it is for him. So you got to think about that. Secondly, to sell him on digging in and reading, listening, or watching. Every cable news show, none of which are news, but every cable news show now does a big tease before every commercial. They don't just tease a little, they tease the next three things that are coming. Every local news broadcast has adopted showing you the weather three times. So the number one people tune into local news is the weather. Right? That's the deal. I know they got it on their phone, and you'd be more accurate just going and looking out the window. But, uh, but that's the number one reason people tune into local news. So what the local news guys have figured out is let, we can hold them for the whole broadcast, but we got to tease the weather all the way through it. So if you don't normally watch your local news, go home and watch your local news, the evening news, the night news before you go to bed. Here's what you're going to find. The first or one of the very first things is a weather tease. Coming up, when will it finally stop raining? We're going to tell you the hour. And then they go into who shot who and who married who or whatever it is. But it ain't going to be very long. It'll be before the com first commercial break usually that the weather person now does a mini weather forecast. So they appear for like a minute and a half. And they do, here's what's happening. It's raining. Mm -hmm. right? And in 18 minutes, we're going to tell you when it's going to stop and what the weekend's going to be like. And in many cases, before you get to the 18 minutes, they're going to tease again. Coming up, the seven-day forecast. And we've got good news for you about next Saturday, Father's, the day before Father's Day. We've got crappy news for you about Father's but We've got great news for you there. And then they go back to who killed who. And they, so they tease to hold you almost to the end of the thing. What they put last is sports, because right? that's the other thing people tune into local news for. Right? So they're having to tease more and more frequently to hold a viewer. So you are always, here's this page, here's this block of copy, here's this story I want them to read, I better write a compelling subhead to sell the story. Or they may leave here, or they may skip it. So a lot of people don't do it in nonfiction books. You'll see me do it a lot. You don't go very far in one of my books without hitting a subhead. Because right? I'd rather you didn't skip the next four paragraphs so I know i got to sell it. By the way, almost all best-selling nonfiction books are written like disguised sales letters. The reason Think and Grow Rich has endured as long as it is is Napoleon Hill made a living as a direct response copywriter. And he wrote Think and Grow Rich like a sales letter. David Schwartz, the reason Magic and Thinking Big lives so long is David Schwartz was a copywriter. He wrote the book like a sales letter. Okay? You could take Think and Grow Rich exactly as it is, stick a sales chapter at the end to sell a course. And you wouldn't have to do much to the front of the book. You could just, it's ready to plug in the offer. They didn't, but it's ready to plug in the offer. How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie was a stage speaker. He sold from the platform. The book's written like a sales letter. And these books have endured, you know, their longevity is phenomenal. The purpose of the subheads are to tease the next bunch of content, to bridge from the last point to the next point. Now that we've established you can't hear, here's what we're going to tell you next. To create a double readership path. So when you have a bunch of copy, when you have a long sales letter, there are people who absolutely refuse to do anything but skim. 
the, you have to be sensitive to PSs. There are people that jump to the end. Okay? Um, there's really perverse people. They do it with fiction. They read the end of the, the last chapter in the book first and decide whether they're going to read the rest of the book. It's remarkable. But so sales letters, there are skimmers. So you got to get, you got to really tell them your story in the headlines and the subheads, so that if that's all they did, you could still get them. But you're also trying to move them into the copy. You're literally trying to get the skimmer to say, okay, damn it, I'll read this. Maybe starting here, but that's what I'm going to read. And facilitating all of this, you have choices, right? You can do breaking news stuff. You can do alarm. Something bad has happened, is going to happen is coming, nobody has told you about. You can do sheer greed, right? The next thing we're going to talk about reveals the million dollar secret, hardly any cut You greed, you can do absolute authority where you are picking this point in the letter to hammer home, they have to listen to you because you can introduce a celebrity, you can arouse curiosity, or you can start a story, but it better have a great title. Now beyond the headline, the, the early real estate is important. If you fold the letter in half, what's above the fold is important. If you fold the ad in half, what's above the fold is important. So the top one-third of the real estate of a page or of an ad is the most critical. It's what 90% of the people are going to look at first and they're going to make all their decisions about how much more time they're going to give you and how much more attention they're going to give you by that. So if you isolate, if you take that away from everything else and it ended with a call 1-800-WHATS-US, would it work? It's a version of the old classified ad test. So the way to test a headline is if you ran it as a classified ad with nothing else after it but a call 1-800-WHATS-US, would it work? So the greatest example, it ran for 70-some-odd uh, years in newspapers, and then it moved to tabloids like National Enquirer. The whole ad is corn's gone in five days or money back and then the response instruction. I got it, right? Here's, here's what's going to happen. Here's a meaningful, specific five days and a guarantee. It's all in the headline. It works. If you just stick a response instruction on the back of it, you're good to go. A lot of headlines don't work, right? So like this, this works if we just stick a response instruction. How little social errors ruined their biggest chance? To hear the rest of the story and the seven deadly social mistakes not to make, go to www.mistakes.com. Right? It works, right? All the rest of this, helpful, but for the person who refuses to read it, we'd be okay. So it has a chance of motivating readership. This has double readership path, by the way. So if all you did was read, you might still fill out the coupon. That's a true double readership path. So the purposes of that opening real estate are to deepen and hold attention. They are, okay, you opened the door this far, you haven't taken the chain off yet, what'll get you to take the chain off? To initiate a move from attention to interest. Now here's how you know if you've done that. If as a result of what you just said, a meaning a result of what I just read in this space, would I ask you questions? That's how you know you've moved from attention to interest. Because I can just get attention. I mean, I can, you know, we can have somebody yell fire. It'll get everybody's attention. I can have a naked person walk across here and out the other door. It'll get attention. But 
is it going to move the sales process forward? Well, if what is said causes them to want to know more, so in a conversation, if you shut up, they would ask you about it. Now your copy is moving them from attention to interest. If they wouldn't, and they would sit there silent or walk away. Right? So the great example of this, I think it's in um, Harry Brown's sales book, is it's about elevator speeches, about how you what you answer when somebody asks you what do you do at a cocktail party, right? which for us in this business, there's not, unless you want a lot of pain, there's no real good answer because civilians there's no way to explain this, right? And when I used to fly commercial, I could get business sometimes, but mostly it wasn't worth the pain. So usually my answer was, I'm an IRS agent. <laughs> that terminates conversation, by the way. And if there's empty seats, they'll go to the bathroom and they won't come back and sit next to you, which is even better, right? They'll actually go from first class to coach. They'll just disappear. <laughs> You can spread your shit out. It's great. Okay. So here, I think it's Harry Brown's book. The example was the local house painter, right? So if he's at a party in a neighborhood, if he's somewhere, and somebody asks him, what do you do? And he says, I'm a house painter, or I paint houses, or I own the house painting company in town, do a bunch of people immediately ask him a bunch of questions and want to hear more? Well, no. So his elevator speech was, I'll try and get it close to verbatim, his, eleva his elevator speech was, oh, you might find this really interesting. I transformed the exterior of people's houses in a way that causes other people to stop their cars, get out, admire them, and take pictures. The response from almost everybody is, how do you do that? We've moved the person from attention to interest, right? To establish voice, persona, and authority. So in this early real estate is the place you have to start with differentiation by being distinctive. So the worst sales letters in the world are corporate stuff. So they try and do it. Your bank sends you a letter from the president of the bank, but he probably didn't even see it, let alone write it. It was written by committee, and it could be from anybody. You wouldn't know. And so if you met this guy and had a conversation with him, it would not in any way, shape, or form be congruent with this letter you got. He's not really in it. He would, it would be infinitely better off if he was in it. So, see, you don't know the owners of top of the top five uh, public investment companies that you might buy stock in could walk in here and you wouldn't know them from Adam's house cat and they could get up here and talk and you wouldn't know if they were real or not. I could bring a ringer in and fake you out. Buffett Everybody knows. And he's distinctive enough. If I put you on a conference call with somebody and told you you were on a call with Warren Buffett, you'd know in two seconds you weren't on a call with Warren Buffett. That's what you actually want. Most, there is institutional direct mail that works, not much. Most of the great direct mail is from a distinctive voice. 
It's a distinctive persona. In much the same way that fictional characters are distinctive. So, to anybody in here, not her or you, older than the two of you, my age or your age, right? If I start to talk about James Bond, who appears in your head? Sean Connery, of course, right? I mean, that's who appears. The little short guy now they got running around, whatever his name is, uh, he, he don't appear in your head, right? Sean Connery appears in your head, right? And he built a very, that was, he made that a particular character. We all kind of know him. It's why if any of you read the Jack Reacher novels, the first movie you saw, you threw up. I mean, because they got Tom Cruise trying to be Jack Reacher. I mean, come on, people. Did you, did you read the fucking book? This is a very distinctive persona, right? We, we could give you a book, if you were a Jack Reacher fan, not name the character anywhere in the book, keep the author's name off of it, and give it to you with a generic title, but you would know by halfway through the first chapter, oh, this is a Jack Reacher book. Because this guy's Jack Reacher. Well, that's, that drives sales just as it drives fiction. So you want to figure out, if you're writing for yourself, or if you're writing for a client, you want to figure out who the voice is, who this person is. And again, we're just taking the human and stuffing him in an envelope. That's what we're doing. I don't need to recreate Warren Buffett uh, to write Warren Buffett. I just need to really listen to and watch Warren Buffett for a while. Right? So if you so like if I'm, if I'm going to write a sales letter from Trump to raise money, it's got to sound like Trump. Because Trump fans know what he sounds like. If I'm going to write for Bernie, we'll go to the other side. Now nobody knows what the hell 20 of them candidates sound like because nobody knows who they are. But if I'm going to write Bernie, Bernie's a distinctive persona. He does particular kind of rising voice inflections at certain points. I've got to move that, and I want to move it into the sales line. So if you are selling yourself, Joe Financial Advisor, Joe, Joe whatever, Dr. Dennis, lawyer, you're you. Now you can embellish you, but you don't want to be not you in all of this. And you want to pick and choose what you emphasize and what you don't and all of that. So it is like building a fictional character, but it is a fictional character based on a real person. That's really what it is. And I would say to you that it is kind of the secret. It is the most important element in being successful with sales letters. Is that the sales letter is roughly equivalent, so a sales letter you get is roughly equivalent to sitting down on your deck with a beer, with the person you are experiencing in the sales letter. Or whatever setting would be natural. If it's not your deck and a beer, if it's in your office, it's sitting in your office with that person across the desk having a conversation. Because sales letters are really one-sided conversations. They're not monologues. It's a mistake to make it a monologue. It's a fake conversation. The person has to feel like they're in a dialogue, not getting a monologue. That's how they react as they go along. 
They nod, they say yes, they argue, they talk back. That's how it works, which means it has to be real and authentic. And if people try and fix you for your print, they try and sanitize you, neuter you, clean you up, shoot them. They're not helping you at all. They are supposed to take you and get you into the envelope. That's what they're supposed to do. So I think this is the most important element in the game. You will find in here, I don't know where it is because I'm jumping around a little, but I'm on your 39 is actually where I was. You will find some information about a thing on this that I'm interested in doing um, and will do um, if we get to 15 people. Uh, and the missing dates are September 19 and 20 of this year. Um, I, I don't know what we're already at, but we're already at six or seven or eight or nine of these people who read their manual and got ahead of me. So it should be right at your 40, 40. your page 40. It says for just 15 individuals at the top. So you might want to take a look at that during the lunch break, see if it interests you. Um, uh, let's talk about the last great thing that a sales letter can do before we take our lunch break. So I'm going to jump to your page 21. Looks like this, elimination of competition. So another great virtue of the sales letter is that it can block consideration of competition. So whatever it is you introduce to somebody, even if they never knew it existed before, you have instantly put options in front of them whether you like it or not. So I just told you there's an app that will read you bedtime stories. If you think, if you have insomnia and you think having a bedtime story read to you would be pretty cool, you may now go look at that app. However, you intuitively, instinctively, and experientially know if there's one, there are choices. And you are going to be prone to go look at the choices. If I drive you online, even worse, because I'm making it easy for you to look at the choices. So how do we block you looking at choices? Well, if we deposit a salesperson in your home who holds you captive while they sell to you across the kitchen table, at the end, you buy or you don't buy. You don't excuse yourself Go in the other bedroom and Google cookware. Doesn't happen. I assume maybe it happens once. But it doesn't happen regularly. If I get you to go see the timeshare presentation at Disney. So how many are DVC members? How many own timeshare at Disney? Okay, how many have gone and seen the presentation? That's why there's so few who own it. Um, so be forewarned. But the next time you're there, you should go, by the way, because it's unlike any timeshare presentation you've ever seen in your life. In part, in large part, because there's no attempt to sell you the timeshare. They're the most relaxed people you've ever seen in your life. They're like jello. Care if you buy, you don't buy. Happy to answer questions. I mean, I tried to get the guy to close. Did everything I know how to do. And he just wouldn't close. I mean, they let you walk, they let we walk out of there 
because we had a lunch time at a Disney restaurant. So the correct answer, of course, is what I would do. I'll get on the phone and I'll move your reservation if we're not done yet, right? No, 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 no. Eh, we need, you need to leave like now to, for us to get you over there. So I'll tell you what, I'll write up the contract for this size, this size, because you haven't decided yet. I'll send them both to you in a FedEx envelope, but don't expect them tomorrow because we're backed up here. So the stuff will lay here for a while, but when it finally comes to you, it'll be in a FedEx envelope, and if you've got any questions, you can call me. I'm thinking, you've got to be shitting me, right? If they knew what this guy was doing, they'd fire him in a hot second. I mean, I had a long conversation with him later, and that's exactly what he's supposed to be doing because it's Disney. So you should go see the timeshare presentation. But even there, think about what has happened that precludes. So you can buy a Marriott timeshare right down the street. Everything's the same except you're not on Disney grounds. And it's 25 cents on the dollar. That's how big the premium is. But nobody, while they are sitting there with him, in the place they have been brought to, Google's, Orlando timeshares and engages in a look at the competition. And I said later, I said, so how many like do what I did and how many do you close while they're there? He said, look, he said, we don't even use that language here. We're not allowed to use it. He said, and actually they don't care. He said, but I'll answer your question. Just don't tell anybody I answered it. He said, eight out of 10, buy while they're here. This is a $100,000 sale that nobody was expecting to buy. It's not like they went to a timeshare presentation. They were in the park walking around, and they got moved to a timeshare presentation. And they weren't even held captive. They got their free gift when they got there. It's not like you go to the regular timeshare presentation and you got to sit through the whole thing to get your free transistor radio. No, 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 no. They give you this shit when you get there. So you can leave. But you're there. They got you. And so most people in a contiguous sales situation if they're going to buy, they buy. They don't go get up in the middle of it and go shop. That's not what they do, right? ever. So miracle here, if we can get them there, and we can keep them, and we can put them through the exam, even bad salespeople close half. $8,000 to $16,000 sale because they have them in a contiguous sales presentation, arriving at a point where you are supposed to say yes or no, so you do. And if everything's done right, more people say yes than say no. Now, are there no's to be scooped up and converted? Absolutely. But most people behave. They don't go. So if you watch, it's why you don't see any intellectual property infomercials anymore. So if you, when Personal Power One was on, that made Tony, it was really pre-internet. So if you got interested by the show, but you weren't willing to buy the thing being offered, you really only had one other choice, which was to go to the bookstore and see if there were any Tony books. Now, of course, that's why you don't see the shows. Because while you're sitting there in the living room watching the show, you can go to Amazon. You can go to TonyRobbins.com. If you're a Nightingale Conant customer, you'd go to NightingaleConant.com. So the bleed off of purchasing activity is brutal. So you don't see IP and weight, weight loss much anymore either. You won't see Richard Simmons deal a meal on TV, that kind of thing ever again, because the, there's too many ways to bleed immediately. But people won't sit in front of you and do it. So if you put them in a room with Tony, and there's stuff to buy at the back of the room, they're either buying or they're not buying. 
and most of them are bi. So what is the closest replica to that we can create? It's getting somebody engaged in reading and having a conversation with a distinctive personality, just as they would be having across the kitchen table or in the room. The sales letter experience, they kind of go into four walls, if you will, and they sit and they have a conversation with a person. That experience is not the same as watching a video sales letter on a computer, because they can click. They're in a room with 500 options. The sales letter kind of puts them in this competition-free zone for as long as you can hold their interest. And like a face-to-face -face sale, it leads to a place where you are supposed to say yes or no. And if everything's been done right, a bunch of people say yes. They arrive at that point. You say, okay, now it's time to pick A or B, fill out the form and fax it in, and the person does it. They don't say, well, I think I'll look on eBay. and I'll, No, they either do or they don't. It's because it has most closely replicated me sitting here with you and talking to you. It's the closest we can get when it is done right. And increasingly, competition is an increasing problem because the barriers to be a competitor to anybody keep dropping, so the number increases. See, if you're a real estate agent, for example, the barrier to entry is like nothing. You used to have to go to a real estate school. You can take the classes online to get your license. The test is open book. The question is, if I list a property, should I list it for an honest price? Should I tell the truth about how many bathrooms there are, or should I lie? Well, I don't know. Let me look at the book before I answer that question. I mean, this is what you need to do to get a license, right? I mean, so, you know. My brothers could be real estate agents in about two weeks. God help us all. But they could, right? And what do you need? You don't even need a business card now if you don't want one. So the cost to get in the game is nothing. The brokers are desperate, so they'll let you hang your license in their office and be there. So there's a ton of them. What happens when there's a ton of them? It's a race to the bottom. That's exactly right. Oh, 7%? I'll do it for 5. Oh, 5? I'll do it for 3. Big real estate company now advertising two points. They're on TV every night, nationally. So they're like a portal, really, generating leads, like a home advisor's, generating leads, funneling them to real estate agents who are willing to work for 2%. Where will that go? flat fee, regardless of the price of the house, and eventually $395. That's where it's going to go. Now, you probably won't sell your house with such a person or buy a house through such a person. I won't either. But a ton of people will. I never thought you'd do it with braces, but they've done it. A bunch of people will let, they'll play orthodontist at home. We'll ship it to you in a box. There's an app. You can go online, watch a YouTube video, and you can install Invisalign. And they're $695. And the orthodontist over here, our guy's selling it for $8,000. Job gets tougher every day. Now they're opening retail stores in the malls to give you the box to play orthodontist at home, but if you get in trouble, you can come in there, 
but you're not dealing with a dentist. You're dealing with somebody who was a dental hygienist for three months. And now she's ensconced in the retail place. Well, it's happening in everything. So the big middle of your consumer is being taken by this. The bottom was already gone for most of you. You didn't want that customer anyway. But now the middle's being eaten. The affluent is left because they won't do this. Cars. The guy's going to buy a Bentley. He's not doing it with Carvana. And he's going to go pick up his Bentley at the car vending machine and never having test driven it. He's not doing that. But my daughter, for her next SUV, she's perfectly capable of buying it from Carvana. Now, she ain't going to go get it out of the machine. They're going to have to deliver it. But perfectly, so the middle's all being taken, right? So the competitive issues are ever rising and ever worse for just about everybody, which means you got to get better at keeping people out of competitive environments while they make their decision about you. So that's the last reason this is all, uh, well, no, there's one more, sorry. One more big reason that a sales letter is so good for. So now I'm on your page 29. We talked about this a little bit. So no matter what you sell, there are deal killers lurking. And in B2C, it's going to be the spouse, the family, the friends, the coworkers, the pastor, their brother-in-law who's an expert on everything, right? In B2B, it's going to be their employees. My staff won't let me do this. Number one thing, my niche marketers all here. My staff won't let me do this, which I have an answer for that, but... In today's labor market, fewer people are willing to accept my answer than they ever were. My answer is line them all up, but be sure you line them up one behind the other so you only need one bullet. You don't want to waste all your ammo, so don't line them up horizontally and have to shoot one after the other. Put them one right behind the other, and then you can get them all in one bullet. That's the answer. And then replace them with somebody who'll do this. But... Uh, so, but they're going to hear it if you're selling something to business owners to improve their business that the staff is involved with it any way, shape, or form. They're one of your number one deal killers. They kill the deal either directly or by slow motion after the first transaction. So they're really good at Doc comes home from a seminar and he bought this. They're great at it. Because they know if they slow walk it, he'll lose interest and everything will be okay. We just have to slow it down enough that he'll forget about it and give up. All right? That's all we got to do. Deal killers are business peers. So everybody has their 8, 10, 12 buddies in the same business they're in and they all talk to each other. And now they go say, I'm going to do this. And their peers go, are you nuts? Are you crazy? We just had this conversation, right, about your people, right? You go home and try and get them all to wear suits now when they like to come to the previews in polo shirts and khakis. And you're going to have a fight on your hands. So if I was selling to you, Here's how to fix the whole image presentation of your team, yourself, your office, your business. My deal killers are all the people who work for you, right? And they're going to dig their heels in, and they're going to fuss, and they're going to fight. And the weak business owner will give in. They're going to argue. They're arguing with you about your radio show, right? So... You know, you've been doing a radio show for how long? Fifteen years. Drives a lot of business. Eh, yeah, but nobody listens to radio anymore. Let's not do the radio show. Let's do a YouTube video once a month. I mean, 
you know, so I mean, if I'm the guy selling him the radio show, this is my deal killer, right? So, and the news media itself is a big deal killer for a lot of things people buy, right? Or some segment of the news media. So, regardless of what you think about it, so I get myself in trouble, but how have the people who will not vaccinate their kids decided not to vaccinate their kids? By media. How have people who do vaccinate their kids decided to vaccinate their kids? By media, right? So either way, media has been involved in killing a behavior and reinforcing another behavior, right? Well, that's with everything. So, A, you got to know when you put your story and your proposition in front of Charlie Brown, and Charlie Brown now gets in his environment and mentions it, what will they say? Now, what media gives you the best opportunity to preemptively deal with it? Long-form copy. If it's going to affect at the lead generation stage, it's got to be in the lead generation sales letter. So if you're going to ask for my free book about XYZ and you go talk to your wife, or you go talk to your husband, here's what they're going to say. And with all due respect, here's what they're wrong. Here's why they're wrong. If you give this form to your staff person to go get my doohickey, here's what the staff person's going to say. Here's why you have to make them get the doohickey anyway. Right? So we got to know what they're going to say it changes, by the way, with time. So um, the years, the few years that I was at Amway, the number one thing was if they went to anybody after a presentation and they mentioned the word, they got, it's a pyramid scheme. That, that was the thing, because pyramid schemes were big at that time. Cost got there to be great, was thriving. Best line, which Jim Rohn was in, was thriving. So they got to, it's a pyramid scheme. So you better cut that off before they hear it because it's a lock they're going to hear it. Now that's gone. They have a whole different set of problems today, and hardly anybody mentions it. It's not, it's not the thing that has to be answered. But the sales letter and the lead generation letter gives us the best opportunity to deal with these things. All right, I got enough to do at least one, maybe two questions, and then we're going to take a lunch break. So somebody wants a shot, candy table, and a microphone. Negative, NIOP stands for negative influence of other people. Okay? What will they be? Uh, I can't do three, Kenny. I'm sorry. I'll be out of time. However, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, and you haven't had a turn. I'm going to bump you. I'm going to bump you. You're bumped. You're bumped. You'll have another opportunity, but I'm going to... Can I bill him for the bump? Yes, you can bill him for the bump. All right, Jim. In the, in the persona conversation where you're trying to increase the persona of the individual, is it is it the individual or can it be also the... An institution is too big a word, but the organization like High Point, what are they? Is it Nito? Is it High Point? It's Cabane, right? And I drug okay. it back to Cabane. Okay. And they don't like it. And I get it. And <gasps> strategically, it's a problem. Now, he ain't going anywhere, but he ain't going to live forever. Right? Um, but most of the reasons they don't like it are not that. Most of the reasons they don't like it is they don't like glorifying him. They think it should be about the entity. 
They think it should be in an institutional voice, right? And they're all wrong. Here's how I know they're wrong. So they had a belief, so they, if you go there with your kids for the campus tour, right, they had an ingrained belief, first of all, that they had a big advantage because they didn't put four of you together to go do the tour, four families. One family, one guide, one golf cart, one tour. Okay? So they believed this was a big advantage. Forced them to check the math. So the big open house they do, with 300 of them there all at one time, they have to take them around in groups. They have no choice. Conversion's higher than it is on the one-on-ones. Do you know why? Because Cobain speaks for 90 minutes at the big open house to everybody. He's not there on the one-on-one -on -one tour. It's the, really the, it's the variable that matters because that's actually what's being sold is I want my kid to come out of a sausage grinder that guy is all about. That's what I want. So it's always easier tactically to grow a business at least with a strong individual persona, right? Ron needs to be the god of baseball. And he, everything about him needs embellished and exaggerated, so he's a superhero. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Uh, you talked about the importance of taking time and people investing time. I wonder if you can comment on that with professional practices um, insofar as kind of wait lists. So on the one hand, you've got a problem, your kid's got a problem, you want it dealt with now. On the other hand, if you can call at 11 o'clock and be seen at 1 o'clock, you say there must be something wrong with this person. Can you comment on that? Yeah. You, it's, call, it's called, it's called the, 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 the tactic of the deliberately delayed sale. And unless you're a bail bondsman or a cardiac surgeon, right, you will win more than you will sacrifice by deliberately delaying the sales event. Thank you very much. But in part, what you do during the delay can be part of the immediate solution. So if your media, I call my kids got a problem. Right? So if your media is preparation for the appointment that needs to be done, right? we, in order for us to have an effective appointment, you need to have seen this video. You need to fill out this thing. Your kid needs to have, right? So we can use that to make the delay actually now part of the process. Now, I didn't bother with it in Miracle Air because I, I had them in the office. I just extended the amount of time they're sitting in the waiting room, right? And they're not going anywhere. They're old. It took a major effort to get over there. They're not leaving. Uh, they got to rest up just to get back to the car. You know. um, uh, but, but this is like confusing activity with accomplishment, right? Is you're moving towards the solution you want, starting right now. I showed you the newspaper ad briefly where we made them come down, post the deposit, get the kit, for their appointment seven, eight days later. Now, it's weight loss. It's not as, you know. But still, when she answered that ad, when did she want to lose three dress sizes? Today. She damn sure wanted to get started today, not two weeks from now. So we actually got her started with the stuff she had to go watch, read, and do before she came in for the appointment. Does that? Okay. It is exactly 11.30. You have, I believe, 15 minutes. Your lunch starts. Uh, you have an important lunch? No, you're on your own, aren't you? You're on your own today. 
Yes, you're on your own today. So you are talking amongst yourselves, and we are resuming. We are resuming at one o'clock. Okay? Okay. Yes. Anybody that is checking.